When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of First in Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson. Make sure you download, subscribe, stream it on the free Odyssey app, and wherever you get your podcasts, it is combine time down in Indianapolis. First day in the books with defensive line and linebacker interviews. Some fireworks happened down there with Jalen Carter. The news that there was an outstanding warrant for his arrest for reckless driving and racing that he didn't what's going on everybody it's Kyrie Thompson with another episode of first and Foxborough make sure you download subscribe listen and stream it on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast first day of the combine officially in the books defensive linemen and linebackers took the podiums, talked to people, and uh, there was some fireworks on the day because Jalen Carter, one of the top picks in this draft, did not speak to the media after it came out that he had an outstanding warrant for his arrest down in Athens, Georgia, because he was involved in the deadly car crash that killed one of his teammates and one of the Georgia staffers What's going on, everybody? It's Kyrie Thompson with another episode of First and Fox. Bro, make sure you download, subscribe, stream it on the free Odyssey app, and wherever you get your podcasts. First day of the Combine in the books down in Indianapolis. A little bit of fireworks on the first day. It was just media availabilities for defensive linemen and linebackers, but one of the prime prospects of the day, Jalen Carter, one of the probably one of the top four picks at the least coming into the day, did not speak to reporters after it was found out that he had an outstanding warrant for his arrest because of his involvement in the deadly car crash that killed one of his teammates and a University of Georgia team staffer. He was not he was not driving the vehicle in, in which they died, but he was racing and recklessly driving alongside of them, very high rates of speed, and then apparently after the crash, uh, um, Although still some opportunity to call for medical attention, uh, Jalen Carter fled the scene and left the other people that were involved, and then came back later on to the scene, answered questions from police. Apparently, his stories were not very consistent. People were suspecting, obviously, that he he was lying to the police about what actually happened to try and uh, you know kind of save himself from getting into trouble. Obviously. You know, he's a, he's a young kid, 21 years old, but that's just not, it's just not an okay thing uh, for, for him to be involved in and not a good decision that he made. Um, obviously, he didn't personally cost the lives of people, but people died. And, you know, that's something that he's going to have to reckon with. Um, adds to some discussion that, you know, there were character concerns around Jalen Carter coming into the draft. And this one in particular, the situation 
could be real. It could be a real thing for his future, his draft stock. And I mean, obviously you also have to talk, talk about the loss of life and what it means to the other people that are involved. Um, obviously there's a football show. So we're talking about football. Um, so Jalen Carter right now, as of now, the warrant for his arrest involves two misdemeanors for reckless driving and racing in Athens. Right now, there are no felony charges, no manslaughter, wrongful death, things like that. Um, I mean, we could see if there's, you know, a suit brought against him, you know, for wrongful death down the line. We, we have no idea what this process is going to be like. He's left Indianapolis to go down and tend to his outstanding warrant. We will see how that plays out in the coming days. Obviously, there's a lot of time between now and the draft for things to either smooth over or potentially for things to ramp up. So it's going to be an interesting situation to monitor with Carter. And that could obviously change the way that the draft rolls out. I don't think that Jalen Carter is going to make it to the Patriots. I don't think they're going to have to make that choice of, Hey, we think we can fix this kid or, you know, as long as he buys in, it'll be fine. Obviously he's an elite talent. I mean, quite possibly the best player in the draft itself. I don't think it's going to get to a point where the Patriots will have a chance to pull the trigger on that. Depending on, on how bad things get as of right now, I still can't see him leaving the top 10. Somebody's going to scoop him up. He might not even fall at all by the time it's all said and done. If people feel, I guess, assuaged about what's happened, if he explains himself in a satisfactory way to a team that was going to draft him, like, say, the Chicago Bears, whom he was being linked to pretty heavily. Um, We'll see how that ends up. It's going to be fascinating. But it could end up, if he does fall, it could see other players getting pushed up in the draft. Like Tyree Wilson is a candidate to be a bit of a riser. Now, maybe he's a top five pick because of this, maybe a couple of those tackle prospects that Patriots fans really want them to go for like Peter Skoronsky, Paris Johnson, Jr. Broderick Jones, maybe they all get pushed up the draft and then you're left looking at the remainders. I mean, who, who knows what is going to happen? Um, We'll see on draft day, but obviously big news down there after what happened and you know, the implications could be far reaching and not just for Jalen Carter's football career. Now let's pan out a little bit from the combine because we were just talking about some offensive tackles and there are a couple of offensive tackles that are going to be targets that the Patriots can pursue in free agency. When the league year begins just a couple of short weeks from now, those would be Mike McGlinchey of the San Francisco 49ers currently and Donovan Smith, who's still as of now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. However, the reports are that Mike McGlinchey is probably going to hit the free agent market and that there's a good chance that he leaves. It doesn't sound like the 49ers are too optimistic about their chances of retaining McGlinchey, who has been their right tackle since he was drafted back in 2018. And He's going to he's going to cost. I mean, it's going to be what 14 million dollars maybe at the least. You might see more if he is the top guy in free agency from a tackle standpoint. It seems like he's going to be that guy. He's still he's 28 years old, still you clearly got some good years left in him. He is a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker, but he's adequate in pass protection, really good 
getting downhill against the run. He's been playing pretty well in a zone-heavy scheme with San Francisco, which maybe makes you wonder about his fit with the Patriots because when they're at their best, it seems like they're still running more of the gap-centric schemes, getting downhill, power, duo, things like that, as opposed to the outside zone run game, which I will say they did get better at it as time went on in 2022, but it definitely didn't start out looking like outside zone was going to be a very good part of their game. They could not block it. Maybe under Bill O'Brien, that changes a little bit. I would say, though, that regardless of whichever one you pick, Mike McGlinchey would probably be a very solid player to put across either Trent Brown, who would stay on the left side in this scenario while Mike McGlinchey went over to the right, or a rookie, depending on on what you end up doing. I feel like Mike McGlinchey is just a solid player who you're not going to have to worry about wherever you put him. He's going to be able to protect Mac Jones, going to be able to open up some lanes for Ramondre Stevenson and these running backs. He's just a good player, and I think the Patriots need that. Now, the one option I'm starting to get more intrigued by is Donovan Smith. He was not very good in 2022. He was hurt a good amount. He hyperextended his elbow. He was dealing with that. And he had a foot injury that hampered him throughout the end of the year. He was not his normal, reliable self. I mean, he had just put up a very strong season in 2021 where he only allowed one sack. It was the best year of his career in terms of pro football focus grades overall and specifically with pass blocking. I mean, he, he was a very good player for them, and he fell off pretty precipitously. But you would figure that if he's healthy and you feel good about his ability to bounce back to what he was before last year, in which he had like four years of pretty steadily improving play, that could be a steal for the Patriots. He was on, or is currently on, I should say it, two-year more to do with why he's expected to hit the market um, if, if Tampa Bay ends up releasing him, which it sounds like they intend to do. It's not so much about diminishing skills. I mean, probably partly because of the performance, but they are like $59 million over the cap. They are hurting from a salary cap perspective. They just have to make some cuts. They have to get rid of some salary. They've got Tristan Wirfs. They could probably move him over to left tackle or just get a new guy and keep Tristan Wirfs over on the right side. There there are a number of avenues that they could go for, but having a guy over there for, what, $15.5 million a year who is not playing his best football probably isn't the option that they are going to want to stick with. So that opens a door, I think, for the Patriots to maybe come in with a short-term offer that is still worth his while, but maybe you can get him at a bit of a discount here because of him not playing up to his potential this past year. And the market for him would probably still be pretty good, but I don't know that you're going to see him getting paid more than McGlinchey in this market. And if you could get him on a one-year deal or a two-year deal and be like, hey, let's go ahead and rehab your image a little bit on a solid deal, you know, 11, 12, maybe 13 million, somewhere in that range. Obviously, you don't want to be offensive with this offer. And put him on the left side where he's most comfortable, then maybe you can slide Trent Brown back over to the right. Or maybe there's, you know, Michael Wenu or 
one or like an Andrew Stuber or, or another rookie that you could put over on the right side and have them develop over there. But you have a proven guy over on the left side that can protect Mac Jones, as opposed to saying, okay, well, we're tired of Trent Brown. Let's go ahead and throw a rookie in there. Who's going to have a learning curve in the NFL. I mean, not all rookie tackles, left tackles are coming in and dominating right away. There's still a chance that there could be some growing pains there at the same time. Maybe there's, the guy that you're going to grow with for the next, however, eight, 10 years or something like that. Um, obviously there's also that opportunity. There's also the, the fact that I think Trent Brown is getting a bit of a raw deal from Patriots fans over last year. He was not as good as he was the year before when he was over on the right side, but I feel like he had a handful of bad games. Miami game to start the season, not very good. I think he was wilting out there in the heat a little bit. He seemed sluggish. Then the Bears game, also not very good. He got worked a little bit against the Cleveland Browns and Miles Garrett. That's also Miles Garrett. I think by and large, he did a solid job in that one. Then he had two games later on in the year where he was sick. He should not have played in those games if they had depth that they could rely on. But he was forced into action because the Patriots didn't have that depth and he didn't play very well. Outside of that, Trent Brown was fine. I think he was fine. He was okay. And especially when you think about the fact that he was like a top 15 tackle in terms of the amount of times he was left on an island in a true pass set, one-on-one, handle your business. Because they believed that he could handle his business. By and large, he did. A couple of bad games in which he didn't, but most of the time he did. I think Trent Brown's fine. I don't know that you need to treat him like he's damaged goods and you got to get rid of him. He's under contract for this year. Yeah, you save a good chunk of money if you did move on from him. It's a, it's a pretty team-friendly deal from that standpoint. But I think he's still got value, at least for another year. And then you move on with another rookie or, or somebody else that you sign or what have you. But just to, just to have him around, I feel like you need that. I don't know that you can just throw good tackle talent out on the street, given the state of your roster. So I think that there's a chance that you, you could mix and match with this. If you have McGlinchey or you have kind of a more right tackle-ish prospect like a Jawan Taylor or a Caleb McGarry, you can keep them on the right side, keep Trent on the left. And again, still get a viable tackle in the draft, but it's not necessarily your absolute number one. Got to do it in round one, because I don't know that you really have to do that. I don't like people saying that, that that's absolutely the only thing the Patriots should be doing. I feel like that is a little bit too rigid. I understand that you need that depth and you need a solid player that can be a starter for you options potentially on day two or three that could fulfill a little bit of that or maybe even guys that are not one of those top three that everybody thinks you absolutely have to have that you could go with we'll see how it turns out but I think that it would be it would behoove the Patriots to have veteran options on this team that they can rely on and then that allows you to be a bit more flexible when it comes to the draft and then if one of those tackles is there that you really like go ahead and take them There's nothing wrong with that, but don't do it just because you feel like you have to, because I feel like that's where the Patriots at times have been getting into trouble drafting for need. Look, Cole strange, solid player for, for his first year. I I know some people are kind of like, yeah, like 
he he was he was bad at certain points and he looked like a rookie and you know not happy with the overall pick. Cole Strange was pretty solid, if we're gonna be honest. And so yeah, that's great. You got a solid player out of out of the draft last year with what the number 29th overall pick. But was that really the best use of resources? Taking a guard in round one? No, it really wasn't. And if you had had a couple of veteran guards in place that you felt better about, maybe you don't do that. And so I and having Michael Onwenu was is there, that's great. But if you had either one of Ted Karras or Shaq Mason still in place, you probably don't draft Cole Strange. And you probably use that pick on a corner or on an edge or something that it would be a bit more valuable than what they ended up spending it on. So I, I feel like, yes, tackle is a, is a premium position. So that is more valuable. You could also look at edge cornerback, right? Any of these positions that you feel are more, more valuable and mix that with best player available. But I just think it would be great for them to, have something at that spot that you felt good about from a starter perspective so that if you don't like what you're getting in the draft there, or if guys are taken before your, before your spot at number 14, or if you trade down or what have you, that you're not reaching for somebody who's not worth it just to say you drafted a tackle because that's also not good process. So I'm, I would really love to see the Patriots grab either one of McGlinchey or Smith. If I had to guess, I would say Smith is going to be the more likely one because I think the price tag is going to be a little bit lower. You're going to be able to get a little bit more of the bargain bin type deal. McGlinchey is going to be sought after. I think that market is going to be pretty high. And I think there's also the fact Smith's a little bit older. So I think that he could be a pretty solid option. I'm going to, I want to keep an eye on that. Now, now that we talked about the the kind of free agency aspect, how about a couple of prospects that I'm really looking forward to watching down in Indy? And let's start with some defensive linemen, some edges, some linebackers first. I feel like Luke Van Ness is going to be really fascinating because this Jalen Carter news might bump Van Ness up into being a top half of the draft kind of guy. He might have already been there. I, I, I think a lot of people think very highly of Van Ness. And clearly he's, he's kind of a physical specimen. I mean, he's pretty cut up. He looks very athletic. He broke out in his final year at Iowa. And I think that he just, he seems like a New England Patriot. It seems like he fits there pretty well. Obviously, there's the relationship between Bill Belichick and Kirk Ferentz down there at Iowa. Belichick is going to get to he'll he'll be able to know and find out anything he could possibly want to know about Van Ness down there. And then there's also the fact that Van Ness has gotten it done against some very, very good players. In particular, you want to talk about him working against Ohio State's Dewan Jones. And Paris Johnson Jr. Paris Johnson Jr. could be a top 10 pick in this draft. I mean, he he was able to produce and get pressure against some pretty good players. So I think that also speaks very well to him. I think I'm very intrigued to see what Zay Flowers runs. Yeah, I know we talk a lot about Zay Flowers on this show, but I, I think specifically I want to see how Zay Flowers tests. Because we know he's going to measure somewhere in the 5'9 range and, you know, 180-ish pounds 
you know, kind of in the mid 180 pound range. But I want to see if he runs a four three, because if he runs a four three, he's going to start going from a back end of the first round kind of guy into a mid first guy. And particularly if you see a bit of Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba start scooting up in the draft as well. Once they test and once people start thinking, man, I really got to do like uh, Duke Tobin, the director of player personnel over at the Bengals. You want a number one receiver, go get your own. I think that that's going to be a possibility where some of these guys are going to get a bit drafted than expected, even though I think a lot of people aren't as high on this wide receiver class as they were last year's class. I think Zay Flowers is going to be in that mix. If he runs fast, he runs a good three cone. If he looks smooth out there in terms of his routes, he looks quick. He's going to bring the juice. I mean, I think he's going to bring the energy. I think he's going to pop from that standpoint. And there's also this, and this is going to be a theme when I talk about guys that the Patriots might target, is that they saw him at the Shrine Bowl. First of all, he's a senior, and they saw him at one of these all-star games at the Shrine Bowl at the senior bowl. I mean, that's going to be a huge deal for this team because in recent years, it's not always the case. I went in and did kind of a cursory glance to see what this team has been doing in terms of its draft prospects. Now, obviously in terms of the first round, you've got you know, plenty of instances where they traded out of the first round because they were already at the back end of the first round. So just taking a pick at you know, pick number 32 wasn't always going to be something you felt really strongly about. Go ahead and, and collect more picks later on. But the last couple of years, you've seen the Patriots err on the side of seniors, particularly people that they've seen at the Senior Bowl. And they drafted, what, four guys from the Shrine Bowl last year? So they are to me, they're looking very heavy on the experience side. They want guys who are going to be able to come in and contribute right away. That have a certain level of maturity about their game. And of course, guys that they just got to see play football against better competition than maybe what they faced during the course of a college football season. So I think they really value that. They were apparently really in on Zay Flowers at the Shrine Bowl. And I feel like if there's any idea that he is a mid-round wide receiver and these tackles are off the board and maybe they don't love some of these defensive players as much as you think, I think there's a good chance that they actually just say, you know what, get Zay Flowers at 14. Or they trade back a couple spots and see if they can collect some later draft capital and then you go ahead and you draft Zay Flowers then. I think that's something you got to keep an eye on. One of the other people that I'm interested in, kind of a so to wrap things up, is Darnell Wright, tackle out of Tennessee. Now, we keep on talking about these kind of top three tackles, where it's Paris Johnson Jr., Pete Skaronsky, and Broderick Jones. And people have varying opinions on where any of them go. There's a solid chance that all of them are gone before the Patriots pick, but maybe there's one leftover like Broderick Jones or Paris Johnson Jr. I keep getting the feeling that Peter Skronsky is going to be a top 10 pick. And yes, there's some speculation that maybe he is a guard at the next level because he's probably going to measure in as having like 32 ish inch arms. But the fact is he's a good athlete and a good player. He was the best tackle in, in terms of grade in, in this class. He just, 
gets the job done. So I think there's just something to be said for that. Just having a safe tackle prospect, you could work around the arms or what have you if the guy is just good enough to do the job. I don't think he's going to make it to the Patriots, me personally. Now, if one of these other guys does, I think that you have an argument for taking them, though I think Paris Johnson Jr., I love his athleticism, man. I think his upside is going to also bump him up. I don't see him making it there either, especially if he tears up the combine and he looks really good. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. He's not going to be there in the mid-first round. He's going to be like a top-10 pick as well. If you're not getting one of those guys, which I think there's an argument again in terms of experience that maybe the Patriots don't want to do that. Maybe they don't want juniors, like true juniors coming out of the draft here. I think Peter Skaronsky is a, is a red shirt sophomore. So technically he was still only in college for, for three seasons. But I think that with Paris Johnson Jr. and Broderick Jones, you can see there's some rawness there. And in particular, I think with Broderick Jones, he only had like one full season as a starter at at left tackle or something like that. And I think actually the same with with Paris Johnson Jr., where he only played full time at left tackle for one year. Maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you want a guy that started a lot and did it for four years and just has a lot of experience. Darnell Wright fits that mold. And I think that he's a candidate for if he has some good workouts and interviews really well, which again, over and again, down at the senior bowl, he was very good. He got rave reviews for his one-on-one work and, and just, just popped down there at the senior bowl. Once again, I keep on bringing up the experience and the senior bowl and the shrine bowl and all that. The Patriots love that stuff. Okay. So if they're looking at him and saying, you know what, man, I really like his maturity. I think that people are a little bit too low on him. I feel like he's ready to go right now. Maybe Darnell Wright is the guy that they pulled the trigger on. And it becomes a bit more of like kind of like a Cole Strange sort of deal where people are thinking of him as later on in the first round or into the second. And the Patriots are just like, uh-uh, no, this is our guy. We like him. Go ahead, pull that trigger at number 14. I would be pleasantly surprised by that move. I think if, if they ended up doing it, I, I, I feel like it's a little bit premature to say that. But again, given what we saw with Cole Strange last year, where they fell in love with the way that he carried himself, the way he performed at the Senior Bowl, and the experience that he had built up over all those years, playing all those different positions. Yeah, Cole Strange was probably overdrafted by a good bit, but he came in and he was a solid player. And I think ultimately that experience paid off for him and it helped him be solid in that first year, despite all of the dysfunction with the offensive line coaching and the general offensive scheme dysfunction. I think Cole Strange is a good player. Maybe they look at that and say, you know what? That formula worked. Let's try it for an offensive tackle. Darnell Wright could be very interesting. If he rises up the way that I think he might through this pre-draft process, maybe he could be an option over there in the middle of the first round, maybe even as high as number 14. I'm Kyrie Thompson. This has been First in Foxborough. Make sure you download, subscribe, stream it on the free Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. I am going to ask some combine and draft related questions of one Jacob Infante, my guy, known him for a little while. He is one of my favorite draft experts, gurus. He just lives eats and breathes this stuff. 
I'm going to have him on this show for Friday talking about what he's looking for down at the combine and in the draft itself. Till then.